Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 164 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week we have another week of glorious sunshine, complaints about the heat and a warning about beekeepers' health and safety in the apiary. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. A very warm welcome to the podcast, everyone. Warm in many ways this week, so let's kick off straight away with the local weather forecast here in Norwich. We've had a scorcher. This week has seen the hottest daytime temperatures so far this year. Top temperatures hitting 25 degrees Celsius. That's around 80 degrees Fahrenheit and something we have to get used to as the forecast is for more of the same over the next couple of weeks. As ever, with beekeeping friends around the globe these days, I know we have it easy compared to a lot of you. I guess it's what you get used to and accept as normal. Well, maybe it's the new normal, and that seems to be a phrase that's being used quite a lot these days. But it has been an interesting week in the apiary, and I've certainly had my ups and downs, and more of that shortly. One of my priorities this week has been trying to offer even more to our customers by selling queens, both our own stock and some produced here in the UK by a fellow bee farmer. It's off to a great start, and we've been able to help a number of beekeepers who require new queens. The upshot of all of this is yet more work, mostly computer-based emails and obviously website order type work but nonetheless more time taking up getting the logistics sorted. This has had a knock-on effect with my own beekeeping and rather frustratingly kept me from my own queen rearing program. One of the methods I like to use is the Nico cage as I've mentioned before but it only works if the queen cooperates and lays eggs in the cells. Unfortunately this last week my chosen queen decided for whatever reason she didn't like her accommodation and flatly refused to lay any eggs at all in the individual cell cups that I'd so lovingly cleaned and prepared for her. I even shook a little nectar into the cell cups for the workers to clean out and polish in readiness for her. But after four days of wandering around the cage I decided that she just wasn't going to play ball and so I released her. That has coincided with a raft of other jobs that I'm currently involved in, so the queen rearing has taken a knock backwards. I plan to graft into some Jay-Z-Beezy queen cups this weekend, or maybe Monday at the latest, and I'm in need of a couple of queenless colonies to set up as starter colonies to get those queen cells pulled, and that should hopefully get me back on track. Around the apiaries, it's been an interesting week to say the least. The last of the oilseed rape crop has come in and the fields are all green now, the flowers having gone over completely. As far as forage is concerned, the bees are still on a number of wild plants. There's a limited amount of hawthorn still in flower, but I do see a range of different coloured pollens still coming into the hives. And honestly, I can't really imagine where the bees are going to put any more pollen. They've absolutely stacked it away and it keeps coming in. The latest variation in colour, although not a wild plant, is that of the grey-brownish colour of field beans. Over at the farm apiary in particular, 
there must be several acres of field beans hidden away somewhere because there's masses of pollen coming into the hives and we have a continuing nectar flow. It's great to be able to identify what the bees are foraging on and pollen is a great way to have a kind of best guess at what they may be focusing on. You don't need a microscope for this, just a pollen colour chart which you can easily buy online. Pollen colour is best thought of for each of the changes of season, so spring, spring into summer, summer, summer into autumn and so on. It helps narrow down the source of the pollen more easily than just having a giant colour chart like one of those household paint colour wall charts that you see in the DIY stores, thousands of different colours. Obviously, retrospectively, a sample sent to the honey monitoring scheme will confirm what you conclude. And it's a nice feeling when you get it right and it adds to the enjoyment of your beekeeping. It certainly does for me and that's how I feel about it. In fact, I've just ordered my summer pack from the National Honey Monitoring Scheme ready for our summer crop. And you can do this once you've submitted your first sample from the spring period. Changing the subject back to my working week and apiary visits, I was at the Fishing Lakes apiary sorting out a few nukes in the 14 by 12 apiary and it's also the one where we have the top bar hive. And you'll maybe remember I split this colony having spotted that they had swarmed and produced lots of queen cells. Well, in the interest of reporting back to you, I took a quick look in there this week. Just a quick peek, you understand and only in the split, so this is the end where I moved just a few top bars to look after the queen cell that I'd selected. Now the original queen with this colony was quite slim, a dark queen, but not a native AMM black queen, but dark nonetheless. Imagine my surprise then when I spotted a giant orange queen wandering around on one of the combs. Isn't nature just wonderful? The genetics in this top bar hive must be well and truly mixed up. I can't wait now to have a look in the other side and see what the queen in there looks like. I closed them up fairly quickly and didn't hang around to start looking for eggs or larvae as I didn't want to disturb them any more than I already had and I'm sure either this weekend or next week I'm going to find two laying queens with excellent laying patterns. Well that's the optimist in me and anyway I'm sure all will be well. I had a lucky break in this apiary a couple of weeks ago too. I discovered a colony that had swarmed and as normal there were plenty of queen cells. The old story of the first queen out runs around and kills all of her sister queens in their cells seems less and less true and more like a fairy tale to me. I just don't see it happening as much as all of these books tell me. Anyway, just as I'm messing around trying to decide if I can split them, conjure up more kit from somewhere to put them in or what the heck am I going to do? Another queen pops out of her queen cell and starts dancing around the frame. And I might have mentioned this already. Anyway, as luck would have it, and here's a small confession for you, as luck would have it, a queenless nuke that I'd moved to the apiary and inadvertently left shut up for a couple of days still needed a queen. So I scooped her up, walked her swiftly over to the nuke, popped the lid, smoked the top bars and ran the newly emerged virgin queen onto the top bars where she wandered around briefly before heading down into the box. Checking them this week, she's been accepted, mated and is now laying well. Isn't it amazing how we can fret over how to get queens into new boxes, yet sometimes it just seems to go perfectly. 
In this case, the nuke was hopelessly queenless, the queen was a virgin, and the two were a perfect match. Job done. Meanwhile, over at the meadow apiary, we've been carrying out a few shook swarms. I wanted to demonstrate on camera the whole process, as I've had a few questions about the best way to perform this particular technique. And of course, it's always easier to watch someone and see the physical action rather than trying to picture what you're reading in a book. So to recap, the reasons for doing a shook swarm can vary depending on each beekeeper and each colony. My main reason for doing the shook swarm is to remove as much old and unusable comb as possible and get the bees onto freshly drawn comb that can give the queen more space to lay in. But also, it acts as a method of reducing the disease loading in a colony. If you strip out all of the old frames, you take away any nasty pests or diseases that may be lurking in or on those frames. The process works like this. Oh, and remember, there's a video out shortly, so if my attempt at description here fails, you can always check out my video. So I'm at the apiary with my chosen colony. As luck would have it, the colony I picked isn't in too bad a state, but by the time I get into the hive and check, we're already rolling, so we may as well carry on with the process. Firstly, move the old hive off its stand and place the new hive in its place. Pop a queen excluder between the floor and the brood body and remove a couple of frames from the centre of the new brood box so you can shake the bees into the new brood box. Take each frame in turn from the old brood box and shake the bees off into the new brood box, each time checking for the queen. It's always nice to spot the queen because you can then cage her and keep her safe in the new hive until you're finished shaking all the frames. In this instance though, I didn't see the queen and I just continued to shake all the bees off the old frames into the new box. Once completed, I added a feeder and some light sugar syrup that's the one-to-one -one ratio of sugar and water. It's pretty hot out there at the moment and the extra water in the syrup will quickly evaporate. That's pretty much it. It really is a simple process, but it does put a lot of bees into the air and can look quite alarming to any onlookers or new beekeepers who might be helping you out. The beekeeper performing the task is concentrating on the job in hand, so doesn't see what's going on around him or her. Oh, just to add, if you do find the queen and cage her, do remember to release her before you close them down again and put the feeder on. So with this colony, a large productive colony, we were able to not only replace frames, but to move the bees from a commercial beehive to get them into a Langstroth beehive. This method is an excellent way of switching hive types if you should ever choose to try out a different hive. One of the other benefits with this particular shook swarm is that because the colony was in fact healthy and the brood across quite a large number of frames, we were able to use that brood in other smaller colonies to boost their numbers and not destroy the comb. If there had been any thoughts of disease, I certainly wouldn't have put those frames into other colonies, but the whole process was really just as a topic of a video and the hive I'd picked wasn't in too bad a shape. A couple of other points on this specific shook swarm, the Honeypore Poly Langstroth hive doesn't use an entrance block. And so if you place a plastic queen excluder between the floor and the brood box, it sags and leaves a gap in the middle, an ideal spot for any anxious queen to slip through and abscond. 
but a simple folded piece of cardboard is all it needs to prevent it from sagging, so just something to look out for. And the other point is that I'll head back in a day or two to check up on them and to top up the feeder if necessary. It's always a good idea to keep an eye on them just to make sure that they're drawing the comb out nicely. Otherwise you can go back and find a twisted, stitched together mess hanging between the frames and then you have to start all over again. Remember also that time is running out for production of bees for the summer flow. Eggs laid today will emerge in 21 days and that's the beginning of July. For me, it's peak summer honey production. As we move forward from now, any disruption to the colonies is a reduction in honey production. Wow, that's a lot of auctions. So anyway, it's all hands to the pumps, making sure we have boxes on hives and all is well within. Finally today, a tale of warning and something of a wake-up call for me personally. We all know just how easy it is to lose concentration and have an accident. Well, I'm not sure that we can call them accidents anymore, as there always seems to be a cause, and it's normally down to the beekeeper. Anyway, my mishap this week is something of a comedy moment that could have ended in something rather more serious, and I wanted to share it with you as an example of how things can go pear-shaped quite quickly. It was a scorching day inspecting. Lots of hard physical work involved. Videos recorded, photographs taken, time running out and a beekeeping association committee meeting to attend later that evening. So I was under a little bit of self-imposed pressure. This of course made me rush a little bit and while I was inspecting my Langstroth hives and as a result of rushing I managed to trap a bee under my finger and got stung. Not a problem there, but it was one of those stings that starts in your finger and travels up your arm into your elbow. I'm sure some of you know exactly what I mean by that. I always find the best solution to this is to plunge my hand into the wash bucket. It seems to soothe the pain. Anyway, as I stepped away from the hive to go to the bucket, I managed to trap my feet in the hive strap loop that I'd stupidly just dropped on the floor almost as a deliberate snare, and of course, I got caught. Rushing around, I hadn't thrown the strap under the hive stand as I normally do, and two attempted steps later, I was slow motion falling like a sack of spuds. I hit the ground with a bit of a thump, not really knowing what had just happened. Fortunately, the hive was still on its stand, and Steph was still there holding a frame of bees that I'd passed to her just moments ago, looking down at me as if to say, what are you doing down there? Now this is all very amusing. I haven't fallen over like that since I was a young boy, but the seriousness of the situation came to me in a flash as I tried to get up and put my hand down onto a very pointy, hard root or stick that was protruding from the ground about five or six inches away from my shoulder. This situation could have had a very bad outcome indeed, and I urge you all to please take care when you're out and about, especially all my bee farmer colleagues here in the UK and around the world. All it takes is one lapse of concentration late in the day, and each one of us can become just another statistic in the accident and emergency department of the local hospital, and we really don't want that. Another thing I really don't want is for you to miss out on my latest podcast, a podcast subscription will get you the very latest tips and techniques from me, 
each week as they're released. And as things stand, it's going to cost less than a couple of Starbucks coffees. And remember, that's drive through prices. Head over to my Patreon page and sign up to my Podcast Plus tier for the very latest beekeeping chat and an occasional health and safety message. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>